0: It's a privilege and honor to actually stand before you this morning. Um, a bit of a shock when Aunt threw me in this deep end, but um, before I start anything, I'd like to pray. But I just want to thank you for today, Lord. I thank you that you are sovereign over all that happens on this earth. And this morning, we come before you, Lord, as children. Before dear Father, we come to sit at your feet and to hear you, Almighty God. And Father, I pray this morning that all that comes out of me will just be sound. But that you will give substance and meaning to that sound. Let it be your words, Almighty God. And I pray, Father, that as many as I hear your word this morning, Lord, they'll be touched in their hearts by your Spirit, Almighty God. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that you will come. And turn those words into great and miraculous works, Almighty God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, I'm not a teacher. So, I've not come this morning to teach you some new information. I think we've been taught a lot in the past couple of um, months. Rather, what I, I, I've come this morning to do... I think who was it that said? I think it was John Wesley that said that he, 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 people come to watch him burn. But for me, I've I've come to. um, It's almost like standing in a mirror and 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 talk to myself, and you are spectators hearing me talk to myself. But if you're blessed as I speak to myself, then glory be to God, because what I'm sharing with you this morning, I'm also i sharing to myself. It's not something that I've mastered. It's not something that I've um, uh, sort of attained to. Rather, it's something that God has put in my heart for quite a while now. I've shared a bit of this with the other leaders in church. But I, I felt that it would be a wonderful blessing if you guys also heard it. Um, I've titled this little message as Knowing God. And one thing I've discovered is if God would do whatever he wishes, irrespective of whether we prayed or not, then that means that prayers would be unnecessary and superfluous, you know, like we don't really, we not need it. But what I've discovered is that in as much as we can't do without God, In everything, He can't do anything without us. God is looking for a remnant. A people that will stand and call out to Him. A people that will stand and constantly seek His face. And It's something that I have seen in many, many, many years of my work with God. That before God does anything, we have a part to play. And that part that we need to we have to play is a very crucial part because God relies on it. I love this uh, verse in the book of Isaiah that says that, 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 that the spirit of the Lord um, moves to and fro the face of the earth looking for whom he will prove himself um, uh, faithful on their behalf. So God is looking for people that he will prove himself faithful on their behalf. But before then... It's a part that we have to play, play, and that is standing and calling upon the name of the Lord. If you open with me to the book of Isaiah, I I find this verse, uh, scripture, absolutely um, life-changing. Because the first time I heard this, I put it well. I have to remove my glasses. Thank you. Uh, Can you turn with me to Isaiah 62, 6, please? The first time I heard this um, verse, I I felt a deep calling in my heart. I think I uh, I was still living in Botswana then. And... And ever since then, I've asked myself, am I among the people that this verse refers to? Because the Bible says that, I have posted watchmen on your walls, all Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. And then it goes on to say, you who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest, and give him no rest, till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. So in other words, I was asking myself, am I a watchman? Has God called me to stand and call upon his name day and night without season? And that's been a challenge for me for a long time. Sometimes I slip into the sea of oblivion where the world takes over and I'm completely swarmed. And I am struggling to come up for air. But there's so much happening and my life is split into tiny pieces and I can't keep a hold of every piece of them. Guilt always comes into my heart because I keep going back to this particular verse in the Bible. If I am a watchman, am I actually doing what what God has called me to do? And I know I am not the only one in these shoes. There are lots of us here whose lives have kind of been... Your life gets... The world gets into you and your life gets really, really torn apart and busy and you can find very little time and you feel desperate. You desperately want to be where God wants you to be but you can't because things are not the way they're supposed to be. So, But the Bible says that we are we're encouraged to call upon the Lord. Not just call upon him, but to bother him. To disturb him. But guess what? He loves it. He loves when we bother him. He loves when, you know, how I many of you have got kids that, that are, my children are very good at that. They, they cannot repeat the same thing 20 times. Daddy can, daddy, can I have some ice cream? Daddy, can I have some ice cream? Daddy, can I have some And you're talking to somebody on the phone and somebody's talking at you, daddy, can I have some ice cream? Can I have some ice cream? Can I have some ice cream? And until you turn around and say, look, okay, just go and have some ice cream. they will not stop. But that is how God is with us. Even though of course we don't need to go and keep bugging him and but he enjoys the times that will come with our tiny little uh, sometimes unnecessary demands of him. But God actually enjoys this. He enjoys us coming to him time and time again. Because each time we we'll come to him, it fosters intimacy, it fosters relationship, it fosters closeness, like, like I don't know, most of you that are fathers here you, you, if, you, if you have sons, even daughters the more time you spend with your kids, the more of you that pours into them because you, you get to speak your, your life you get to speak your own principles your own um, ideologies your morals and your ethics into them and you see your children actually um, almost turn and change and become more of what God has planned for them to be. And, and that, for me, as a father of three boys, I find that each time I allow the world to come into me and take over, and I'm distant from my kids, there's a lot of squabbling. We never agree on anything. They are always getting on my nerves. I'm always exasperating them. And we constantly nag at each other. And at the back of my mind, I know why it's happening. But unfortunately, like I said, the world takes over and we, we can't quite get control of what we ought to do. And while I was preparing this message, God spoke to me very clearly about my first son. And he, he said, go and use the example of my own son Jesus. The times that I spent with him, the things I did with him, that is your example. Nobody else in this world should be an example for you except me and what I've done. And I, had a, I had a lot of uh, confession and, and, and um, amendments to make which I'm praying that God will give me time to you know, put things right with him. But I, I lived and I grew up without a father. I've, I've got no landmarks. I've got no, no reference points. I, my mom had to act as a, a, a father and a mother. And you know how difficult that can be. My dad died when I was six months. So my mother had to be both tough and, and loving at the same time. And I grew up knowing a whole lot of love. But the relationship of a father and a son, I didn't have. And that played a major role in how I'm, you know, the way I'm trying to raise my boy. But God spoke to me so clearly about him, and there were certain instructions that he gave me which I am bound by the blood of Christ to fulfill. Amen. So, it's very easy to ask about prayers, you know, when should we pray? How should we pray? what should we pray, and, and when? We can ask all that. There's a lot of teaching on prayers. I'm not going to stand here and start expanding messages and scripture on prayers because I, I don't think that is what we need right now. Rather, my heart over the years has brought me to a point where I have understood prayer to be it's not an action. It's not, it's not something we do. Or a process. You know, there are lots of people that go through the process of prayer. You know, like, you have to do this and that and that and that, you know. There are lots of people also that they go through um, uh, routines of prayer. But I, I, I've discovered that prayer is not that. Prayer is a state of being. It's a mindset. Your heart has to be in a particular way for prayer to be what it's supposed to be. And it's a condition of heart. It embodies all of our submitted adoration for God. Prayer is is something that if you truly, truly pray, you'll be at one with the Holy Spirit. Your heart will know your daily walk when, the way you speak the way the things you think about every aspect of your life gets tuned into this way that you know in your heart that God is with you that is the, what i understand prayer to be and what has brought me to this point is each time i look at christ and the life he lived how when we look when we study his life, we see that he was a gentleman, he was kind, he spoke words of of wisdom, words of comfort and I looked at the, his spare times. what did he do in his spare times? He prayed, he spent time with his father on a daily basis and sometimes I think he actually prayed more than he preached and you could see that in his life. He had that thing of, he was at that, you could see that his heart was in the right place. And for me, that is what God has called us to when it comes to praying. So, prayer dictates how humble your heart is. A proud man cannot pray. Or else he pray like the Pharisee who stands by the side of the, the temple, and say, yeah, you know, Lord, I'm happy. I'm not like that guy there, you know. I pay my tithes, you know. I, I I give to the poor. Uh, I give food for, for feed, you know. And um, I I give. Uh, I call Ox sometimes, and I donate five pounds. I, I do all the good things, you know. I'm not like that guy who. A thief, a swindler, he's uh, a looter, like London ones. <laughs> So it's very easy to um, for me Christ is the example of a prayerful heart the life that he lived and what I believe is that if patience is the practice of the presence of God then prayer is knowing the presence of God and prayer can be extremely intimate and you know intense but also, it can be very gentle and very casual and a very exuberant. And prayer affords us the opportunity to return to the throne time and time and time again. Prayer gives us the opportunity to storm down the gates of hell and reclaim that which is ours. Amen. So... Prayer gives us the opportunity not always to ask for things but to bind ourselves to our creator. to He who has called us from out of darkness into his own wonderful light. To constantly be at one with him to the extent that we can say that we know him and we know what he does. So you can know about somebody like, I'm sure you've heard about this story about uh, the guy who, um, uh, when when Elvis Presley died, you know, he, he he was like, "Yeah, I'm the greatest Elvis Presley fan." They gave him a ticket, and he went down to uh, what was that place again where he, the guy was buried? Oh, his home, his, Graceland. Yeah, I went to Graceland, and yeah, Elvis Presley, yeah, greatest fan. But the guy confessed and, and said, "You know what? I know a lot about this guy, but I never met him." I never actually stood in one place with him. A lot of us are like that with God. Man, we've we've had teachings. We've had a lot of good teachings. We like sometimes we become like a stagnant water that you keep water keeps flowing in, but it's not going out. And what happens to that water? It starts to breathe, I don't know. Was these <laughs> You know, all manner of stuff start to breathe inside because nothing is going out but you, you just get fatter and fatter, you know, because you're getting lots of good teaching, lots of food, you know, good nourishing food. But remember that good food is supposed to give what? Strength to the body. And it's supposed to nourish you and make you do things. A man that Eats good food and sits down, gets only fat. So, the good teaching that we've heard, the question is how has that translated into the work that God has called us to? Now, the early church did not have a Bible, those guys didn't have the opportunity to actually have a compilation of works that we can go through and say, yeah, this is, where God is what God is doing, the footprints of God, you know. Most of them were illiterate anyways. You and I have the opportunity to actually read about their stories and the things that they did. But the thing that actually keeps us at one with them is the fact that we have this thing that Christ and God has called us to. And that is prayers. Those guys, they prayed. I promise you one thing that Paul Spent every workable hour that he he could spare praying. Because if not, how could he hear from God so much? Enough to actually teach others. And so if those guys spend a lot of their time praying, what are we spending a lot of our time doing? I'm asking myself. Remember, I'm preaching to myself. Prayer makes us attractive to God. You know that. Heart that prays. God is like a magnet to God. Because it's a heart that is humbled. It's a heart that is open. A heart that seeks to adore. A heart that seeks to love. To show love. So a prayerful heart is a magnet to God. And it shows our dependency on him. Because you're saying, you know what Lord? I surrender all. You're sovereign over my life. I completely lay down all my rights and I allow you free reign. And to do that, it is our only connecting act with God. The more we pray, the closer we get to God. And the more you know him. Now my son, I keep going back to him because he's my reference point. My son, I've discovered that the more I spend time with him, the more he can tell people about me. And that is something I've discovered this morning. (laughs) Because (laughs) he's he's been telling people things about me. Which I didn't even know he noticed. But that is what prayer does. Spend time with God. You know enough of him to tell others. Because it empowers you. It gives you a first-hand knowledge or understanding of your father, of your sovereign Lord. So when you're talking to somebody about him, you're not, not, it's not crammed information. You're not like, you quote scripture, and then you try to, you speak from your heart. And the person listening to you will know. Because remember, the guys that were with Christ, when they went out to talk to people, people recognized these guys, the way they talk, they have been with the Lord. Because Christ had poured himself out into his disciples, God has poured himself out into Christ and that is one continuum which we actually practice even till today. So, and that brings me to Mike's message last week, which was absolutely amazing. I was blown away because Mike spoke to me as I was trying to prepare this message, but he opened my eyes to so much because The question that came to my my head on on Sunday last week when Michael was preaching was, is it really possible to pray without faith? Or is it possible to have faith without prayers? Can the two exist without each other? Or are they so close like they are like white on rice? You can't separate them. And I think they are extremely and intricately interwoven together. You can't have faith. Without prayers. Because prayers actually. Explains and exposes. Your faith. And you can't have faith. Without praying. So. When. We believe. That God has promised us. Good health. Is it okay to just have that faith. And believe. And be quiet. Or do we exercise our faith, by repeating back to God that which he has promised. Lord, he promised me good health, And I know you're faithful to do it. Isn't that what prayer is about? Isn't prayer about r- repeating to God his promises? But not just repeating to him, to his promises, but his expectations of us and our expectations of him? Isn't prayer Being able to sit at his feet and do nothing and just listen. How many times have you actually prayed by you saying nothing? Just sit there and wait. I love washing dishes. I do. Because that is the only place That I have the opportunity to hear. I do dishes and I close the kitchen. I don't care how many dishes there are. It's better for me because then Eunice is with the boys. Then I have some 30 minutes of me time. And all I'm doing is I worship and I listen. And God has spoken to me a lot of times while I'm doing dishes. Sometimes I, I read scripture but often I don't do anything. Prayer is the proof that we have faith. And it activates our faith also and gives us the ability to see what we hope for in the spirit. Remember the Bible says that that which is unseen is eternal. It is faith and prayer working together that enables us to see that which we hope for. And also, prayer gives us the ability to see the God of the impossible. Because if you're submitted to God, if you're dependent on God, and you believe in his word, then prayer gives you the opportunity to actually see him do impossible things. And I have many times. God has blown me out of the waters many times, both in my family and in people that I've known. Prayer gives us the opportunity to remind God of his word. Now, what is the impact of prayers in our lives? Like, if you, say, if you want to see a man that prays, oh, this guy prays. What, how would that prayer actually impact their lives and, and show God in them? The first thing is joy. A prayerful heart is full of joy. Before we had our three boys, my, had, my wife had a, a, a two miscarriages. First one was a freak accident. We were standing at the shopping mall in Town, Botswana. And there was a, a concrete, she was about six weeks pregnant then, with a the concrete slab on the floor. And she went back, trips fell on her back on the Concrete wall, concrete slab. And then we didn't even know that she had lost the baby. We went for a scan and discovered that, you know, it was a, um, a missed abortion. And that was difficult to take. And I was a pastor of a church then. And I had to go to church every Sunday, full of joy, and be able to reach out to people, counsel people. And that was hard. But I was at that place. I was at that place. And I was able to actually believe and trust God. And I knew that what had happened to Eunice was the work of a devil. I knew that. The second pregnancy again, either it was too quick or she was too stressed out because, you know, when you're, you're looking for something, all of a sudden your body starts to Stress out because it, it notices that you're stressing. So your body starts to stress out and everything is all the chemicals start to do deep wrong things and then she had another, another uh, miscarriage. And it was, the second one was a bit more difficult to, to take than the first one. Because the first one, I felt it was because of the accident. But the second one, we couldn't understand why. And, and God spoke to me clearly. And also spoke to my wife. Said, whatever you go through, you go through because along the line, there are people waiting to be touched by your experience. And we came through that. um, And Eunice, initially she said she wasn't going to try anymore. But that was it. And I said, look, Sometimes, God does things in such strange ways that you have to walk with him. And we all know that we are all at different levels of spirituality. My wife then, she got really frustrated and she said, no, I'm not believing this anymore. I'm not doing anything again. Until we met somebody, a a lady that, her pastor's wife, we met her in, in Blawayo. And She gave us a book, and I I read like 10 pages of that book, and it just blew my, it was just about prayers, and it changed my whole understanding of prayers, and and why we pray, and how we should pray, and I realized that really, what I've been doing before was to concoct my own words and tell God the things that I want, but that all the things that God has desired for us is here in the Bible. So when we pray, we really need to pray His word. And that changed my life completely. And then we began to actually exercise the the, the art of praying the word of God. And we, we didn't step outside to say, oh Lord, you know, passive prayer. No, we just prayed His word. We read Scripture and we read the Scripture back to Him. And One of the scriptures we read, I think, was in the book of Genesis. That God actually ordained marriage. He instituted children. He said, go ye and multiply. That was his will. And we stood on that and said, Lord, that is your word. And we believed that. And we said that to him so many times. (laughs) And got pregnant again. And um, I was a bit apprehensive. But not scared. At that point, I was no longer scared. In fact, I was, I was like a wild lion. You know, I was like, devil, come I'm li- Let me show you who I am. I'm a child of God. You can't take this one from me. Not this time. And, but Eunice was very, she was, she, she wasn't scared, but she was full of trepidation. Like, you know, she went to the doctor, the, the first scan, second scan. And, you know, the baby was developing nicely. And the uh, sixth month, she, she had low blood sugar and she passed out at work. <laughs> and um, I think that was the worst day. I, I can't, I still remember how I felt when they told me at school. My my face drained of blood. She was at the hospital. <laughs> and I can't remember how I got to the hospital. But when I got to the hospital, I looked at her. I said, look, this is just a fluke. You know that. This is is nothing. She was crying. I said, look, this is nothing. What has God told you? What did God tell you? No matter what the doctors are saying, that is irrelevant. When you sat down in prayer every night, what did God tell you? Oh, God said that with long life, will he satisfy me? Assume, yes. What else did he say? He says he, he will, uh, that, that, that children are a heritage and, and a blessing from the Lord. Good. Hold on to that. And we began to pray that. We began to pray that. Nothing else? No, not even my own words. We kept telling him, Lord, this is your promise. And you are a God that will never change. And he didn't. And we came to the UK. And Seth was born. And that is what, just one aspect of God doing what he is meant to do. Because that is his, his work. He loves us so much that, that he, that's what he does for his children. But I was joyful. I was never resentful. Many people did not even know that my wife had two miscarriages. Many people didn't know. I lived my life as normal. But also, hope. What that taught me was hope. Gosh, I developed a concrete understanding of the fact that God will not change. I tell you, somebody walks in here with a gun to my head, I will keep repeating this until he pulls the trigger. I will never change my view. God will not change. Not for anybody. Not for you. Not for me. Not for something. Not for angels, principalities, powers, nothing. God will not change. And my hope hinges on that. And that has led me all through my work in this country. And even though, yes, it's hard. Very hard. For us, when you consider the fact that in reality, we live in a world that is instant, isn't it? Everything is now, here. I want it immediately. You know, instant coffee. uh, uh, TV, uh, uh, Sky does this uh, TV on demand, you know. uh, Everything is here and now, you know. And also, your time is split into... So many parts that you need an extra three hours in the day to actually fit everything in. And so, in this modern life that we live, is it possible to live as God has called us to? To live a prayerful life? Is it possible? Now we can sit here and analyze our lives. Oh, talks, you don't know what I go through. Talks, I, I have to wake up by 6 in the morning. I have to be at work at least by, uh, by 7.30. I sometimes work till, you know, 12 midnight, you know, and I get home and I'm tired and there's a lot happening. That is true. That is so true. I was with Simon Thompson uh, on Friday and around 5 o'clock, he got called back to work and he was going to be there till 3 a.m. That is is life, and it happens. But, I promise you one thing. God can make a way for you to live the way he wants you to. To be at that place where you know him because you spend time with him. It's not always a a process of having to find an hour. Oh, yeah, this hour I'm dedicating dedicating to the Lord. No, prayer is not an action. It's, it's the state of your heart, the state of your spirit. It's, it's a place that you get into where every single thing revolves around God. Everything. Your thoughts, your actions, your words. Prayer is not, it's not something that you have to find time, and then after that, then you go and do your own other things. No. No. Prayer is that which makes you who you are, a child of God. If we spend time with, our, with, with God, the with way Christ spend time with God, he says, you shall be able to do more than I've ever done. Why are we so incapacitated? Why is it that we don't see miracles and wonders happening in our midst in this present time? Why is it that, that the things that Christ has promised us, because he did promise, he says, you, you shall do greater things that I've done. That means you shall raise Ten people from the dead because he raised people from the dead. He shall lay hands and people shall get healed and the lame shall walk, the blind shall see. He did all that. And he did promise that if you guys stay the course and do that which my father has called you to, you shall do more than I have done. What prevents us? What? For me, I think it's my poor understanding of prayer and who I am. It's for me. It's me getting kicked out from that place where I ought to be, constantly. I remember when Chen was born, and he he came out from the theater and he turned blue, and they came and took him away, and I followed, and we went went, went into the ICU, and immediately they. Oh, he's not being responsive, blah, blah, blah. They started fixing tubes into him. I died so many deaths that, that afternoon. And as they were walking on him, his heart stopped beating. My boy died. And they had to resuscitate him. It happened three times. And I was standing there. My wife was outside, she doesn't even know what was happening. They started pumping in with so much fluid that the kid gained his weight double. He looked like a bloated ball. And I'm standing there. And God took me somewhere. He took me back to where he knew that I ought to be. And right there in ICU with lots of kids in what do you call that in incubators and Church, I knelt down and I lifted my hands and I called on the name of the Lord and I said, Father, this cannot happen. You do not give and take away. You cannot bring us to this point and abandon us. This is not possible. The doctor turned around to me and said, we have done everything that we can. It's up to him now. And I said, Yes. I know who it's up to. And I knelt down there and I continued praying for him. And they put him in an incubator. He couldn't breathe. So they put an, um, they put, they intubated him. And I continued praying for this kid for over an hour. Meanwhile, Eunice, my wife, doesn't even know that her boy was passing away. But one of the ladies, one of our friends, called. One lady that she prayed with called and said, Eunice, I have a need in my heart to pray for you. And Eunice said, why? I just have a need to pray for you. And Then the nurse went and told her and she broke down and she was... But at that particular point in time, Shane's life was in God's hands. And I knew that I had worked with him for so long that nothing was going to happen to that boy at that point in time. Because, first of all, the glory of God was at stake. And secondly, he knew that I know him. That I've been with him for so long. And I trusted him. And my faith was in him. And that he would not abandon us at that particular time. If Shena was going to go, God would have reached out his hand and held my heart and given me strength. I was at that point. And he spoke to me clearly and said, no. But it shall it shall leave. Because he will be a testimony to many. So the doctor came back after four, five hours. He says, um, the worst part has gone through. His sugar level has started to creep up a bit. We're going to keep him here for a while. He was in there for, three, for two weeks. But the greatest joy that I received, wasn't even seeing my son recover, was the glory that went to God each morning that I got into that ICU. The mothers with their babies, many of them coming to me and all they were asking, please, can you lay down your hand on my boy and pray for him. Glory went to God that day and there was a woman whose son was going into a major brain surgery in, in London. Before, they, she had to wait. She said, please, there's this man that comes here every time. His, that's his son. Can you please wait? I need for him to pray for my son. God got the glory. Church, I understand that it is hard. Life here would tear you into so many pieces that you will not find time to be who you ought to be. But in closing, I tell you one thing. Tell God what is in your heart as one uploads one's heart, your hurts, and your pains to a dear friend. Tell God your troubles, that God may comfort you. Tell God your joys, that He will keep you sober. Or tell God your longings, the things that you desire. That you will purify them because sometimes we do get desires that are ungodly, but also tell God your dislikes, that He will heal them and and help you to actually come to a point of liking those things. Show God the wounds of your heart that He will heal you. If you pour out your weaknesses, your strengths. And your needs to God. There's been really a lot to say, isn't it? And the time will come. God will provide the time. Holy Spirit will help you. To actually drive into to walk. Prayer is an every moment thing. It's an every, I don't know. It's when, when you pray, when your heart truly, truly prays, you know, church, temptation becomes easy to withstand. Because you see them afar off. You're able to actually uh, sidestep them. God gives you such an awareness of everything happening around you. You walk into a room and people will know that there is somebody different that has come into a place. I'm not saying that I've achieved this. My desire is the Lord take me there again. But one thing I do know is this that this church. For God to take us to where we need to be. To that place where, as a church, together as a corporate body, we will begin to impact our community, change lives, and see this society turned around. We've got to bring ourselves to that place where we begin to pray. And knowing God, and being able to actually say, you know what? I know my Savior. You will not let me down. I, this message was not prepared to make you feel guilty or to make you feel in a bad place. It is to empower you. It is to help you understand who you are and the, the strength, the power that lies in your hands. Do You know that you have the ability to change nations. To turn the minds of kings around. Do You know that you have the ears of the hands that created the universe. God hears you. Not just that he hears you, he does that which you ask for. There's in the Bible that it says, if you do anything according to my will, I will do it for you. If you ask anything according to my will. Anything. And I love the Bible so much because when it says anything, it means Anything. So, I was hoping that we could end the session with, with us coming to a point of bearing our hearts before God. I know it's a bit uncomfortable sometimes to pour out your weaknesses and, and your innermost your thoughts to God. It's almost like you're speaking to uh, another person and then you feel a bit self-conscious if you know what God has done for you and the extent to which he has gone for you, pouring out your heart to him will be the easiest thing that you will do. So, people, please stand. Don't mind. Well, I know the Holy Spirit is prompting a lot of us about where we are. We all are different points in our lives in terms of prayer, in terms of our walk with God. But what I ask is, you know, last Sunday, Mike asked if you could pick one thing, one thing and have faith for that God would do it. By the way, has has God fulfilled any of those things that you have faith for? Okay, that's good. So we still have a lot of time to to pray. So what I want us to do is to, that thing that you have faith for, you say, Lord, I have faith that you're going to give me a new job. I have faith that you're going to open doors, business for me. I want you to turn that around and I want you to pray into that area and ask God, to give you a scripture that will actually, be, you can pray back to Him in line with what you're asking for. I remember reading um, someone, I think it's Psalm one two five one, that says that um, children are uh, uh, a blessing from the Lord. Uh, fruit of the womb is a, it's a reward. When I was looking, when we were actually praying for. For a, a child. And we, we read that over and over. When we come to the UK. Um, we read um, Isaiah 55. Uh, and we read that over and over. And we put, where it says uh, Cyrus. We put our name. And uh, the Lord says to you. Tox and Eunice. I shall open doors of uh, iron. I shall bind the gates of, uh, of bronze. I shall give you the riches of uh, hidden places. And he has done that. I promise you. God has fulfilled every of that promise, I tell you. Amen. So, I, my prayer is that God will bring a scripture to your mind as we pray. That will you will pray back to him in connection to that which you are asking him for. And when you go home, find scriptures that you can pray back to him. But remember, prayer is not just about supplication and what you need. Prayer is you get into that place where God needs for you to be where your heart knows i am linked in constantly you know you're getting that drinking from that thro- uh, river that flows from his throne on a daily basis people see you and they wonder what is wrong with this person He's always smiling there's an air of something different about them it's nothing for your heart the praise amen but i just want to thank you lord for today I bless you for your church, almighty God. I thank you, Father, that you have called us, Lord, out of darkness into your wonderful light. But I do know one thing, Lord, that your desire is that we stay in constant communion with you, that we are linked to you constantly on a daily basis in prayer, as our hearts pour out to you in adoration, as we worship you, as we tell others about you, the things that we think about. Father, I pray for your church, Lord, that you bring us to that place, Almighty God, where we will truly know that we are linked to you. Because our hearts will be open, submitted, and our dependency will show in our daily walk with you. As we pray constantly, to you, listening and hearing from you on a daily basis, Almighty God. Father, I pray this for every single one of us here, but I also pray this, oh Lord, as a church, Almighty God, that we will stand as one with one heart, oh Father, reaching out to you, Almighty God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. So as we go away today, I just pray that. Um, the, the life that we live, as our life God begins to transform us, the more and more time we spend with him, I pray that it will be revealed in the joy that pervades our lives: holiness, patience, perseverance, long-suffering all these are the fruits that actually comes through our heart our praise. And it will be evident amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen.